Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. Today, we're answering the question, how do I shop for insurance and get the most value. We're going to walk you through each type of insurance that you want and show you the exact tips to get the most coverage for the most value, the least premium and the best value. So you can feel protected and secure and have confidence and peace of mind without giving up any more of your dollars in monthly expenses than absolutely necessary. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Good morning. Welcome, Bruce. Good morning, uh, Rachel. And I want to grab all our listeners and say, Okay, I know we're talking about insurance here. Don't don't turn it off. We're trying to help you here figure this whole thing out. A lot of people get really stressed out when they start talking about insurance, but our business owners really have to understand that this is this is something that's important for their businesses, but it's also important for their personal lives. So people that are listening to this that are more have a personal economy, uh, we're going to try to keep this simple. Uh, clear and doable. So hang hang with this podcast. I think you're going to enjoy it. Awesome. And thank you for that. So if you've ever been shopping, maybe with a child or yourself personally, you know, when you go to the grocery store and you're hungry and you end up looking at everything on the shelf and you end up putting more things in the cart than you intended, or maybe this happens at Target, or maybe it happens when your child says, mommy, mommy, let's buy this or daddy, daddy, let's buy this. And when you go shopping without a specific plan on what you're looking for, you can often buy more than you bargained for, the wrong things, spend more for it, and feel that buyer's remorse afterwards. So we don't want that to be you when it comes to insurance. So we want to give you a guide for confident insurance shopping. Let's come back to the big picture. So here's where it fits in this survival to significance cash flow system. We first build the, the foundation with prosperous thinking, and you're focusing on value creation in your financial life with this perspective that money is a limited resource and you have awareness of where your money is going and you're plugging those leaks to keep as much of the money that you make as possible. Then next in stage two, you're protecting your personal economy with things like insurance and legal protection and privatized banking. Then finally, through you're increasing through focused, unique ability investing. You're knowing what your ideal investments are and focusing on that. You're building time and money freedom by having cash flow come from assets, and you're focusing on expanding your legacy. Now, insurance fits into stage two. So we want to help you move from your having your livelihood at risk to being safe and protected regardless of what type of life circumstances you face. So we've been talking about insurance for three parts so far in why you want insurance. Part one, we talked about what insurance does, the what it transfers risk. In part two, we talked about why it matters. It protects your number one greatest asset, which is yourself. In part three, we covered the cost and we talked about why should you pay for insurance and the fact that it actually costs more when you self-insure. So today we're answering, how do you win at insurance shopping? What protections should you have? And how should you think about insurance to make sure you get the most value? And what are those pitfalls to avoid to make sure that your protection doesn't become a money leak? 
So let's dive in. Often we think about the insurance company wants to have the most income possible. They want to maximize their profitability. And for them, the winning proposition would be receiving the most dollars in premium and having you covered with as little coverage as possible because that reduces their liability. On the other hand, you want to have the most coverage available. You want to transfer that risk and you would rather pay as little as possible for it. So Bruce, there's this question that comes up about cost all of the time when it comes to insurance. And while we want to minimize that so that we can keep as much of our dollars as possible, what is really the better way to think about insurance in terms of value? Yeah, I mean, this is something that I think uh, it's a mindset thing. Yes, we, you and I both agree, we espouse this all the time, is that we have to control more of our money. So when we're looking at and, and shopping for premium, um, it's often important to look at how much the premium is for a service or what some people refer to as, well, how much does this cost? We're always programmed to how much does this cost? But I think what's more important is to say to yourself, okay, what kind of value am I getting for my premium? And we do this in other aspects of our lives. We do it like you use Target, for example, when we go to Target and buy a, a uh, article of clothing, we decide, is this article of clothing, is it worth the price that we're paying for it? And you look at it, you look at it mainly, I would think a lot of a lot of women, especially, I know my wife and you, Rachel, you want to look really nice. You say, mm-hmm. does this look good on me? I tend, mm-hmm. I tend not to worry about that as much. And I tend to mm-hmm. think to myself, how long is this particular art- article of clothing going to last me? So it's mm-hmm. a value. My grandmother said years ago, the more you spend on clothing, the less you spend on clothing. And I thought, mm, yep, that is a very interesting way of looking at things. And I, as I've gotten older, I've realized that. Well, I think people should look at that in other aspects of their lives. So people think, oh, I'm going to spend as little as possible on this insurance. But then when they actually have to use the insurance or actually have to wear the clothing over and over and it wears out, if you spend too little on it, you actually spend more over your lifetime or during an incident because you end up not being insured properly. So oh, that's awesome. So I do believe that people have to say to themselves, it's not how little the cost is, it's what is the value I'm getting for it. Just like my grandmother's nice saying, the more you spend on, on clothes, the less you spend on clothes. You can do this in insurance. The more I spend on insurance, the least amount that I'm going to have to worry about in the future. We've already talked about that in another podcast, so we can be more productive. But also, if something does go wrong, the least I'm going to have to spend to make myself more financially whole in the future. Oh, that's a fabulous way of thinking about that. And it has everything to do with when do we want to pay for something? And I I love that focus on value. And I think that's what we want to have in the forefront of our mind as we shop for insurance. So we've broken this into a few different 
pitfalls that you want to avoid and really the mental framework that you want to have as you go shopping for insurance. And that could be on the phone or it could be going into a place of business, but you really want to know what you're looking for in advance so you can have your shopping list with all of the right questions to ask before you get there and not just be swayed by a good sales pitch or walk out with with buyer's remorse feeling like you didn't get what you really needed. So the first really pitfall to avoid is this myth that cheaper is better. And Bruce, you really covered that really well, even in just what you just said, Mm -hmm. because often we have this idea that well, everything must be apples to apples. And if I see this one policy for $28 and this other policy is $300, well, obviously the $28 one must be better. That's not always the case. So we really want to understand what does the policy cover? What are the exclusions and limitations? What are the limits of liability within that policy? And as we understand that, then we can say, we really want to pay for the best value, not just the cheapest policy. Yes. So deductibles are a great way that people can use to to compare apples to see if you are comparing apples to apples. But before I dive into this, uh, another thing to think about is is the service that you're getting from that company and also the financial rating that you're getting from that company. Uh, I frankly put service uh, really highly above because insurance companies are so highly regulated that uh, their financial well-being is generally pretty good, uh, especially if you go with any company that uh, has been around for decades, some of them for hundreds of years, Um, but also because they have to report to the states on their financial viability, it's it's very rare that any insurance company that's in business is not financially viable. So I really look at service. What kind of service am I getting? And service is not only from the company, but also from the person you're working with, you know, commonly called the broker. So they're the person that really is trying to help you determine these apple to apple comparisons. But as you mentioned, Rachel, it's important that you understand the language that they're talking about. And and some of these languages right is what we're going to dive into right now is deductible and that's the amount you pay on the front end of any claim so what Mm -hmm. the way i look at it when i break down the value for this is i say to myself okay if i have a 500 dollars deductible in a car situation if i get in a car wreck it simply means on the first 500 dollars of the cost I have to pay for that. Now that's that's easy then to figure out on a yearly basis. You just would divide it by twelve, and you would come up with a uh, four dollars and uh, was that a quarter uh, per month? That you, I'm sorry, uh, that's more than that. That's twenty. You said five hundred divided by twelve yeah, is. It's like a boy. I can't believe I'm. Uh, um, Forty one dollars and sixty six. Yeah, cents. So really that you then take $41.66 and add it to the premium cost for the monthly. That's the way mm-hmm. I would right. that's the way I would look at my cash flow every month. So I would prepare to put $41.66 into my emergency fund so that I can make sure I have money to pay for my deductible. Now, 
in my cash flow if I can put $100 into my emergency fund to take care of any deductibles? Then I would ask my broker, what if I change that deductible from $500 a month, I'm sorry, $500 per incident to $1,200 per incident? Well, what that's going to do is lower my monthly premiums. So now I look at whether the $100 per month that I'm putting away to pay for the incident on the deductible plus the premium is comparable to the $500 plus the premium. Um, now, that's a great way of thinking about that. Yeah, I, I really think this is now, as you increase your deductible, your premium goes down but it may not go down on as a one-to-one ratio. Right. But, but that's okay because if you then amortize that deductible over several years, in other words, you haven't had an incident in your car for several years, then really you just, you are actually, the higher the deductible, you're beating the system because you're continuing to putting that money away and you're going to control more of that money in the future. If you don't put that money away and you just have a higher premium, that premium goes to the insurance company and you're no longer controlling it. Uh, this is a- and and in that case, you're you're paying the premium in advance whether or not you actually end up using the policy. That's exactly so right. we hope that you never have the accident or the medical claim or whatever the policy is for. But if you're paying in premium, that's a guaranteed cost where you don't even know that you will have an actual claim that you're need to come up with your deductible for. So that was just a piece to add on to that. Yeah, this is just, this is a little off the subject, but it's not greatly off the subject. Extended warranties that you pay for on your car, your appliances, your um, electronics, on um, anything that a person says to you, hey, you bought this at a store. We have an extended uh, three-year warranty on this. Would you like uh, coverage on that? All that is is insurance also. Mm -hmm. And you're paying an upfront cost. It's kind of funny. I I ask people a lot of times, like I'm I'm at Best Buy and I buy a television and they say, well, this comes with a one-year warranty, but if you'd like to extend your coverage for three years, it's going to cost this. And I say, do you know something about this that I don't know? Do you get a lot of of, uh, claims on this because they go out after one year? And they go, no, no, we're just trying to do this for peace of mind. So extended warranties are just another type of of insurance that you can apply the same type of mindset to. So, Oh, right, right. And actually, this was something that, um, I mean, Lucas and I just looked at recently in our own lives. And there's a insurance that you can have for your water main line from your house to the road. Correct. Well, that is an insurance cost. So we looked at, okay, what would be the cost if we needed to replace something like that at some point? There's been potentially other issues on our street when we had flooding last year. We want to think about this in advance rather than have that cost. And so again, that's transferring that risk through insurance. And yes, you want to do that. That analysis and way is the value worth it to me to pay for this peace of mind. Yeah. And, and I think uh, people should look at it from a mindset uh, mindset view is you should say insurance companies and professionals are, are professionals and they are the best in their business at what they're doing. And what they do is they mitigate risk. So, yes. so why not actually pay somebody to actually do that for you? Because 
you are not, that's not what you do every day. You should do what you do every day, become very proficient in it, and thus bring value to the world by doing that. But then you should look at the insurance company as, oh, they're very good at mitigating risk. So I'm going to pay them a premium to do that. So absolutely. And and the next thing is about uh, being catastrophic uh, rather than, uh, and you're trying to determine the amount you, uh, you know, you'd file a claim for and set your deductible there. I talk about this with my broker all the time. She knows I love high deductibles. So she'll, she'll say every year when I do my review, she'll say, Bruce, okay, we can do this with this company now. Uh, we've lowered the premium. However, they, I know you like to have a highest deductible as possible in your car insurance and your home insurance, but the highest deductible they allow is X. And, mm-hmm. and she says, I know that's lower than the other company. Do you want to keep the other company even though it's going to be a little bit higher premium because see, it's not only about, it's not only about actually the deductible, but if you file a claim with a company, whether it's for your homeowners, for your, your uh, business insurance, for your, your PNC, for your cars, if you file a claim, that's an incident against your record and they can, yep. and they can then raise your insurance rates next year because they say, okay, even though you filed a claim, you have a $2,500 deductible, they didn't have any money out of pocket. They see you differently in a risk class. So what's what's better to have a broker and call them up and say, hey, I had this incident. I believe the cost is going to be this. We can use your water, for example. I believe the cost is going to be three thousand, so my deductible is twenty five hundred. The insurance company is only going to pay five hundred. Now, mm-hmm. what is it in your experience then next year on this same claim, or excuse me, the same insurance? Are my rates going to go up more than five hundred dollars? Right. Well, if they go up right. more than five hundred dollars, then it would make sense for you not to file the claim. And just pay the entire three thousand dollars and not use the insurance. Yeah. So there's a lot of which can happen. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, which can happen the same way on your auto policy. Yes. And so the two things I want to distill from this part of the conversation that we can keep as a mental framework and a pitfall to avoid is on the one side, Bruce, you were talking about the deductibles. Having savings then allows you to increase a deductible. If you have no savings, you have no business making your deductible higher because you would be in a really bad financial bind then if you did have to come out of pocket to pay that deductible. But if you have that savings set on the side, it allows you to have that peace of mind to raise the deductible knowing that you have the cash to be able to cover it if necessary, which then allows you to raise your deductible and take on that portion of the cost. Here's another part of thinking about that. From the insurance company's perspective, the most likely claim is a small one. Think about the number of health visits that are $100 health visits versus the ones that are $2 million health visit or or even a, a lesser gap than that. So they're more likely to have to pay out a small claim than a large one. So that premium for the, the smallest, the 
lowest portion of insurance is actually more expensive for the insurance company. And when you take back that burden in your deductible, that lowers your cost. So yep. that's why the deductibles are being reduced. Yes. And so as we have savings set on the side, now I'm able to lower that deductible. I'm basically purchasing back the most expensive part of my insurance. And that's where I'm saying, okay, the insurance company is on the hook for anything catastrophic that happens. I'm on the hook for anything that just is you know, a headache or a, a frustration or that little pain that I have to take care of, the, the small claims. So the next thing, this next framework that you can have in your mind is that you can never be overinsured. This word is often thrown around like somehow if I have a lot of insurance that I'm overinsured and I'm worth more dead than alive or those crazy things that we get in our mental constructs. And I just want to remove that for you to give you some clarity. The insurance company will not overinsure you. They'll look at what is the value of this asset. If it's your car, for instance, or the value of your home or the value of your life or whatever they're insuring, they will not give you more insurance than the item or the the asset is worth. And so what we want to do is instead of starting at the bottom and saying, what is the minimum insurance that we can get? And then increasing a little bit and saying, okay, well, what's a little bit more coverage because I can pay for a little bit more and what's a little bit more than that? Instead of starting from the bottom and working up, what we want to do is start at the top and say, what's the maximum coverage that I can get? surprisingly, it might not actually be that much more expensive than the minimum coverage. So you want to first look at what's the maximum I can get. And if that's not in a price range that you feel comfortable with, then lower that down a little bit and say, okay, is this where I'm looking at now? Or is this comfortable for me? So start from the top, start with the maximum insurance you can get. And this applies to health insurance, disability, this applies to your long term care and your auto and your homeowners and your umbrella and everything that we're going to talk about in our next episode to help you really think through the different coverages and how to maximize the value in each of those. But remember, you can never be over-insured. Yeah, a quick a quick example just happened to me last week. Um, I had a doctor who makes very good money and the net, their net, her net take home was like $25,000 a month. And they, she decided that, you know, it was a good idea from my coaching that probably we need to pet protect her life and probably we need to tech, uh, protect for long-term disability. And she said, okay, so I'd like to figure out how much it is to, you know, if I become disabled, um, protect us $25,000 a month. And I said, well, the, the problem is that the company will not insure you for the $25,000. They'll only uh, insure you for up to 60% of that. And she goes, well, right. I, I, that, that's not going to work in my thing. I, I need I need this. And I said, well, you know, I understand that. She goes, well, let's do two companies. I said, no, you, you can't do that. You can't mix. You have to report each company. So she was really, and she couldn't figure it out. And so it, can't, it comes back to the point that insurance companies won't allow you to be overinsured. Matter of fact, they want, they want the insurance to make sense for both people. And what I told her was, First of all, if you're in a long-term disability, you would also be able to apply for social security disability. So mm -hmm. that will make up some of it. But insurance companies also want to keep their expenses down. And I'm not talking about paying out claims. That's They're contractually obligated. But what they do want to do is, not, is keep fraud down 
because fraudulent claims not only cost the insurance company more, and this is what people don't realize, it costs the insurance company more, but it also costs all the policyholders more because you have to pay for those fraudulent claims because that is an expense to the insurance company. Oh, sure. So yeah. 60, a person like her, she'd rather make $25,000 a month. Another doctor that doesn't have the same kind of character integrity may say, hey, you know, if I can get another doctor to say that my back's killing me and I can no longer do my work as an OBGYN because I have to lean over and I have to deliver babies and my back, I can't do it anymore. And I don't need 25000 a month. I just need 60% of that. Well, that's a that's a claim then that gets passed on. That's a fraudulent claim. But can you imagine if the person could get 100%? So that 40% difference will cause even person with lack of integrity and lack of of character to say, well, no, I can't live on 60% of this. So that is a very important thing when we're talking about um, the myth of being overinsured. Oh, that's a fabulous example. And thank you for sharing that. So the next piece that you can have as a mental framework is you may or may not have thought about umbrella coverage before. Now, umbrella coverage usually will act as an umbrella and will cover over the top of your liability coverage for things like your auto and your homeowner's policy, which have some underlying liability protections as well. And so a way to think about that is that the higher levels of coverage cost less. Again, it's less likely that you will have a $1 million claim or a $2 million claim against you and your personal liability. However, the umbrella for maybe $2 million of coverage is going to be much less costly than the underlying auto and homeowners coverage. So you're going to have a couple of different requirements. Within your auto policy, you're going to have minimum legal state requirements, and you're going to have a minimum set of requirements in order to qualify for an umbrella policy. What you can do is you can think about minimizing the underlying auto policy and homeowners policy um, um, up until that point of what's required in order to get the umbrella coverage and then putting the umbrella coverage over the top where your total liability is much higher, maybe 2.5 million if you add the umbrella plus the underlying liability coverage together. And the total cost of that is going to be much less than if you had tried to cover all of that liability with the underlying auto coverage. Bruce, did you want to share anything about that? Well, I think what you're trying to tell the listeners is that let's say you have $500,000 worth of liability coverage on your car insurance. Um, The likelihood that you hit somebody, property, a person, and then you get sued for the damages of less than $500,000 is 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 a lot more greater than somebody suing you for $2 million dollars. So the cost right. of that 500000 per thousand is going to be a lot more than the $2 million doesn't kick in until after the 500000 is paid. So that, that's right. not going to happen very much, very often. So the liability for, the, for not only for you, but for the insurance company goes way down so they can lower the cost per thousand for the $2 million. I'm a big believer in this. I have a $2 million umbrella coverage of, uh, above all the of my other liability coverages. And, it, and so do I And it costs well, yes. like $300 a year. I mean, if, if that's not peace of mind, I don't know what is. 
Right. No, exactly. And and that's my point where you can say, well, my auto policy is covered beyond that. Any other liability issue is covered by this awesome umbrella policy. And you can have corporate or uh, professional sure. umbrella policies as well. So it doesn't just work on your personal economy. It can also work on your business economy. So another thing that you can look at is having a multi-line discount. And sometimes this will influence the cost enough that it makes it more feasible for you. And sometimes not because you really, again, want to compare what am I actually getting with this coverage? And am I getting something better somewhere else? And we're again, not looking just at cost. But if you do have your auto, your homeowners and your umbrella policy with the same company, they'll often give you a bundling discount and that will be applied to your overall rate. So sometimes that's something that can be valuable to look yeah, at. Yeah, and but once again, you make you make sure you're comparing to apples to apples because this is where my broker once again is really good. She'll say, okay, Bruce, we're getting a discount if we stay with X company, but look at the look at the liability coverages on your car insurance. It's not quite apples to apples here. So do you want to give up a little bit of liability uh, on your car um, insurance so that you can lower your overall, or would you like to stay with X for your homeowners and Y for your car and Y for your your umbrella coverage? So you have to look at the the whole thing, and that's when the uh, a good broker is really really invaluable. Oh, absolutely. Um, The other thing that we can look at is cutting duplicate coverage. So while we want to make sure that we have as much insurance and as much protection as possible to maximize our peace of mind, you don't need to have two coverages for the same thing. And we'll dig into this a little bit more into in the next episode. But if you have health insurance, this is really thinking through, do I need to have an additional cancer policy or critical illness? If you do, that is like gap insurance and would pay just for that particular concern or health problem and may help you cover deductible, but it's also paying for two coverages that would do the same thing. If you have health insurance, it's going to cover for those claims. So that's something you want to look at and say, do I really want to have as do I want to have duplicate coverage? And usually the answer for that is no. If you are looking at something like long term care, you can often have that as a rider on a life insurance policy, and not necessarily need to also have a long term care policy. So just something you want to think about to make sure that you're maximizing your value. And then kind of the last point that we want to bring up in this episode today is one of the main considerations is that you want to think about how portable is this insurance? What I mean by portability is, can I take it with me? Will it go with me from this job to another job? Or if I start my own business, a lot of times if you have a group disability policy or group life insurance policy, you may have that disability or life insurance in place right now with your present employer. But if you chose to leave them or somehow you were laid off, that policy is no longer in effect. And so to have the most control in your own life and have the most value in that way, you really want to think about having those insurances that are personally owned because then you can choose exactly what you're getting and make sure that it's going to go with you. Yeah. And then here's, here's, a, here's a point again about the difference between cost and value because you, you talk to, I've talked to thousands of people about this. And they say, well, I want to buy another $150,000 of life insurance with my company because it only costs me $30 extra a month out of my paycheck. And if I do it outside, it costs me $40 a month. And that's because 
there's a group situation there and they get some discounts and they also know that people are not going to take it with them when they leave. So the likelihood of that being paid by the insurance company is not very great. So then you have the conversation, what you're just saying to the person is, yes, but when you when you leave the company for a different job or when you retire, do you want these coverages to continue? Oftentimes then you can go to HR. I do this all the time with my clients. Go to HR and say, okay, when I leave the company, can I take this disability policy with me? Can I take it with the, the life insurance with me? And in, in several cases, you can. But then the next question is crucial. You say, well, what is the premium going to be for the coverage when I take it with me? Because see, you go from a group insurance policy to an individual policy. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes then it will be greater than what you could get at a, uh, at a younger age when you put it in, in place outside the group while you're still working. So those are two really important uh, questions to ask. Oh, absolutely. And somebody maybe even more familiar with COBRA on the health insurance side, which is the same situation. Whereas mm-hmm. if you have group health insurance with your employer, you might be paying a tiny fraction of the cost. You might be paying, I don't know, maybe $200 a month for your whole family's coverage. And then if you were to take that coverage with you, you can keep the coverage usually in most cases under COBRA, but you pay 102%, I believe, of the policy or maybe 110, but it's it's the full premium plus a um, surcharge for the administrative fee of the the financial transaction. So the cost would go up even though your coverage can remain the same. So similar situation with a different type of insurance and looking at the portability. So we hope today that we've helped you think through some of the ways, uh, kind of the lens or the the viewpoint to have on when you go shopping for insurance. So we've covered cheaper isn't always better. You want to have an apples to apples comparison, know what you're looking at in terms of the coverage. Having savings allows you to save on insurance by increasing deductibles. You can never be overinsured. You want to have a minimum underlying coverage and then add the umbrella on top and get as much umbrella coverage as you can because it's cheaper per, the, the cost of the coverage is lower per thousand. You can look at multi-line discounts if that makes sense and the coverage is right for you. And you want to look at cutting duplicate coverage so that you have the best insurance, the maximum value, but you're not insured two places for the same thing and making sure that you have as much control as possible. So as we're wrapping up this episode today, if you have maybe been challenged to think a little bit differently about your coverage and your insurance protection, we would encourage you to reach out to us and ask for a insurance strategy that works for you. And in order to do that, we would need to take a full financial picture and understand what you're trying to accomplish and what's happening in your financial life. You can reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com to request that financial picture conversation. And we'll walk you through understanding what, what of my money is flowing out of my control, what's flowing back into my control, and how can I strategize more of my money that I can keep so my end result is I have more to retain and utilize and more to pass on to future generations. You can do that by emailing us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com. You can also get the show notes from today's episode at themoneyadvantage.com. And we'll make sure that we have all the links in the show notes for you. 
So thank you so much to our listeners for hanging with us today and thinking differently about your protection and your personal economy and making sure that you have that peace of mind and confidence to have a great, awesome financial future. Up next, we're going to be talking about the coverages that you want to have and how to make sure you get the most value for each of those coverages. So remember, success leaves clues. Model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on themoneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and investment advisory services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and registered investment advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.